Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC has finally taken a break this weekend. There is no UFC event, but that doesn't mean that me and Shockwave Dave couldn't find a way to talk about all the fights we're excited about. That's right. We are breaking down our top three favorite fights that we're looking forward to before the end of 2020. And a little caveat here, they, they do have to be booked fights, so we can't go crazy about Francis Ngannou and Surreal Gane yet, although we will be talking a little bit about Surreal Gane. Uh, and we'll also be talking to two of the fighters who are on the next fight card, not this weekend, but next weekend. We are going to see Brandon Royval throw down with Alessandre Pantoja, and he will be talking to us today about how close he feels he is to another title shot. And then we talk a little bit to Vince Pichel, who's fighting Austin Hubbard on that same card, about his move to Factory X. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over there now and browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can check out my bonus picks each and every week. That's right. I got bonus selections that you can only see on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Brandon Royval, who fights Alessandre Pantoja at UFC Vegas 34 on August 21st. So, Brandon, before we get into talking about that fight, I, I want to talk a little bit about your injury. Obviously, a tough injury lost you your last fight against Brandon Moreno, the shoulder dislocation that we then got to watch get popped right back in. Tell me a little bit about what the recovery for that was like and, and how it feels now leading up to this training camp. Um, it feels great right now, man. Uh, I can't even believe how uh, much I help I've had. The UFC's been great with all that. Um, and uh, yeah, the, just the road, the road to get to where I'm at now has been a little bit of hell. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, we're we're at the end of it, man. I'm already all close to a fight. Uh, I think it just made me hungrier, and uh, man, uh, it definitely tests my fate, and uh, definitely tests my like, like I don't know, man, just how much I like I wanted to be here and all that stuff because. Uh, you know, I finally got a little bit of a little bit of legs under me, and it immediately got slowed down as soon as I uh, started to catch a little bit of uh, a little bit of momentum. You know. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that too, because you did have crazy momentum going into that fight. Obviously, you know, you've only had a few fights here in the UFC. You find yourself ranked six. You fight against a guy who's then the eventual champion. You know, how, how tough was it to sit out and and sort of watch the division sort of develop while you're kind of on the sidelines with what is, what is not even really like a, a you know legitimate injury? It was a freak injury, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a freak injury. I think that that it was a long time coming that I got that surgery. And uh, to back all that up of what you're saying is, I think that it, uh, I think everything that happened was meant to happen. You know, I, I my shoulder was messed up really bad. I needed I needed that surgery. Uh, Brandon Moreno and uh, 
Brandon Moreno escapes from our, our fight injury-free, same thing as uh, the, the old champion, Davis and Figueredo, they, they end up having a fight together, and it ends up being an epic fight, you know, an epic fight that uh, probably boosts a bunch of eyes in the flyweight division, and so far it's probably the greatest fight to have in the flyweight division, right? So uh, then they have the rematch uh, with a bunch more eyes back onto their uh, onto the rematch, and uh, Brandon Moreno wins the belt and becomes a star right right in time for me to go uh, face a, to to completely completely heal. By the way, uh, right in time for me to get the surgery completely heal and uh, face Alessandra Pantoja for a, a potential title eliminator fight. So I think everything works out perfectly. I'm right back where I was from the beginning and. I'm honestly blessed that I could come back from injury and not even lose my spot or ranking at all, and uh, honestly end up with a um, end up with a, a fight that's uh, that uh, against the guy that's ranked ahead of me. You know, I, I've been blessed in the UFC. I feel like sometimes you have to fight somebody ranked below you a lot, and uh, you have to come up. Like uh, you, you'll maybe you'll fight someone ranked ahead of you a couple times, and then you'll fight someone below you. And uh, I've just been fighting nothing but people ahead of me and gaining momentum the whole entire way. And yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that momentum too, but I want to go back to something you said earlier, because you, you mentioned that you felt like you needed the surgery for a long time. Is, is that based on, on what doctors have told you? Is that based on like pain you had in your shoulder? What what sort of makes you feel that this was this was a long time coming? Yeah, so as far as I've been in the UFC, this is like the only training camp I've actually ever had, really. I mean like with like no stipulations, but my shoulder's been plagued, man. My shoulder's been uh, been plaguing me uh, for, for a few camps now, and uh, I needed that shoulder surgery. You could even tell when, when I popped my shoulder shoulder out and I went and went to my back, I was trying to pop my shoulder back in. Like, I was trying to pop it back in because I know how to do that. And then you could see also in, in the video of where uh, my shoulder dislocates that my coach walks up and then pops it back in place like he's done it a million times, you know? And it's because he, he's been at position. He's popped my shoulder in place a bunch of times. So it, it, it was a it was an injury that uh, that needed to happen, or that it was it was a surgery that needed to happen. And uh, it was something that was plaguing me for this last couple of camps. All right. Well, then, then let's talk a little bit about now that you're 100 percent, because like you said, this is maybe a title eliminator fight. Is is that the way you're kind of going into this fight, thinking about it? This fight might lead you back to fighting. Brandon Moreno again with a, a shoulder that might hold up for more than five minutes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, man. I think that it's not only going to be one of those fights that if it's not in their head that this is a title eliminator fight, which I think it's already in their head. I think that they know that this is the next option. Um, because, um, uh, like, it would be, it'd be, re- be the trilogy or it would be this fight because Oscar um, Askarovs are injured. So it would be the trilogy or this fight. And uh, I, I'm going to give him no doubt to fucking give me that title shot. I'm not letting any questions be known. Like, uh, I'm going to fucking go out there and make a statement, let him know that I would have been a champion a long time ago if they were assigned me or, or if my shoulder just pop out of place. I, I love that mentality. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, because you mentioned you love that, that Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueredo brought tons of eyes to the division with the first two parts of that trilogy and how exciting they were and how great Moreno's victory was. I'm curious on how it feels, though, you know, having the guy who beat you uh, immediately turn that into becoming the flyweight champion and him being the champion in the division. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, he wasn't mean about the loss or anything like that. But w- what was it like watching a guy who you're, you're recently coming off of a loss to, you know, take the belt? Yeah, man, I think I think it's super cool, man. Uh, I, I could not 
be happier for a better person as a Brandon Moreno winning that belt. And, uh, man, if that's not the most motivating goddamn thing in the world, man, I don't know what else is. That shit gets me out of bed every goddamn day, hungry as fuck and ready to go and let everybody know that that fight was just a fluke. And I think that there's not that much question about that it was just a freak injury that was bound to happen. And uh, so, so it's just... It, like perfectly because I think Brandon Moreno deserves to have the belt and then it's just perfect timing he can get the belt be the first Mexican champion and then I can come run up and then take that shit from him you know I love it now I'm curious let's talk a little bit about Pantoja because he's obviously the man standing in the way of that when they offered you as him as an opponent like you said excited for the number next to his name he is number three you're fighting ahead of your number again but tell me a little bit about what you felt about him you know just from a strictly stylistic point from him as an opponent from a stylistic point, man, uh, Pantoja is a is probably the most dangerous flyweight fighter in the division right now. Uh, I think everything he does goes to try to finish people and he doesn't he doesn't even throw any jabs or anything. It's just all bombs. Everything everything's to finish the fight. His whole entire ground the game is presented, and that that's all to finish fights, you know. And uh, that makes him a dangerous opponent. But that also makes him, uh, that for him to do any of that stuff, he's going to have to throw himself into the fire. And uh, I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go there, man. I'm ready to go stand right in front of him and trade punches. I'm ready to go pick him apart. I'm ready to do it all, man. I think I, I, think I outclass him every single place. And uh, I think I can make a big statement on a great opponent. I think, uh, I think Alessandra uh, Pantoja is amazing, man. I think he's a great fighter. Uh, I think he's worked really hard and worked his way up to be number three, but... I think that just makes makes it even better to just go put a statement on a accomplished opponent like that. Well, you've said a couple of times that you're going to make a statement. You're going to take any doubt that you're next out of Dana White's mind. Give us a prediction. How do you see that one going down, and how are you making that statement? I mean, I'm just going to make that statement by putting pressure on him. I'm going to make that statement by just being undoubtable and uh, just showing everybody what I worked on, man. I had six months to just put a fucking chip on my shoulder and just want, want the sport, you know, and... Uh, I don't know. Uh, you're just going to have to see. I guess you're going to have to tune in because uh, I know I'm going to go out there, guns blazing, and I know he's going to do the same, and it should make for a crazy-ass fight. Well, we certainly will be tuned in. Once again, fans, this was Brandon Royval, who fights Alessandre Pantoja at UFC Vegas 34 on August 21st. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. You too, man. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Brandon Royval. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we're going to get into talking about some fights later on, but I want to start with this. The UFC heavyweight unification bout is definitely going to happen, most likely sometime in December. Who do you got in that fight after watching Surreal Gain this past weekend? You know, I'm really excited by that fight. I can't recall if it was maybe DC, maybe Dom Cruz. They said Cyril Gain moves like a middleweight, and his striking is next level for the heavyweight division. I, I mean, as a technical striker goes, best maybe we've we've seen in the heavyweight division. But that being said, it's the heavyweight division, and sometimes technical prowess is just, you know, uh, it, it – steps to the side to just brute force and raw power. And Naganu only needs one shot. He's still a beast to contend with. So even though I like gain as like the quote unquote better striker, and maybe he could outpoint Naganu, 
I'm still going with Naganu, and I actually find, I, you know, looking at future odds, it's a very close fight. I think a lot of people are hyped on Gaines' performance, but let's also not forget it's against Derek Lewis, who, you know, sometimes has these weird inner, like, I'm going to just go into my shell fights, and, and that's certainly what that was. I find Naganu's fight IQ to be much higher than that of Lewis's, so I think he'll study what he needs to study, and I, I, I'm picking Naganu. How about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people pointing to Nagano being the power puncher is true. But how technical did Nagano look last time against Stipe, right? Like he, he hit leg kicks on Stipe and he was moving much, much better. He was cutting angles much better. His head was moving much better. Yeah, like I, I think there's enough technical aspects to Francis's game where he can match a little bit of that uh, on surreals. And then, yeah, I, I mean, like, the, the devastating power is always going to be the thing. He just needs to land it, and, uh, yeah, I think he does. So, yeah, I'm riding with Francis on this one, too, but the odds I saw last time, negative 100, negative 100, or negative 110, negative 110. Unbelievable to me. So you heard it here first, people. Top Turtle MMA, two for two. We're riding the Francis train. We're off the game train. So I think that's a controversial opinion right now. Um, so you heard it here first, and you can remember us when Cyril Gain wins the title and we told you to bet on Francis Ngannou. <laughs> but no. Uh, we are, of course, a little bummed out this week because there are no fights. We hate that. But we wanted to bring back one of our, seg- our, one of our favorite segments on the show, Combat Countdown. And we're actually going to get hyped about fights in the future. We're going to break down our top three fights that are booked for the remainder of 2021. So just a little caveat here before we get into this edition of Combat Countdown. We are not looking at Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gain. As much as we'd love to break that fight down and talk about how hyped we are for it, there's no date attached to it. So it's not officially booked. Same thing goes for Charlie Olive's Dustin Poirier, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So if it's a book fight with a date, that's what we're breaking down. I'm going to give my top three. Gumby's going to give his top threes. But first, Gumby, who presents this edition of Combat Countdown? The Combat Countdown is brought to you by MyBookie. In the world of sports, the offseason is a time to relax and regroup after a hard-fought season. But playing with MyBookie gives you the choice to decide when your season begins and when it ends. At MyBookie.ag, you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world. Whether it's a game day parlay or a long shot winner, MyBookie has got you covered. Use pre-game props or bet the game live to shift the odds in your favor and always come out on top. And not only does MyBookie host exclusive betting contests you can't find with any other book, but bonuses are insane. If you sign up with MyBookie.com or .ag and use our promo code TOPTURTLE, you'll receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. That's 1000 bucks in extra cash when you make your first deposit with MyBookie.ag using promo code TOPTURTLE. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. We love MyBookie.ag. Okay, so I will go first on this. We'll count down from three to one. One being the one we're most excited about. Three being the one we're tertiary excited about, if that's even the correct phraseology of that word. And I'm going to say right now, my number three pick for what I'm most excited about the remainder of this year, it's not the most exciting fight to other people. I'm going with my heart here, and I, of course, am talking about October 3rd. Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blankovic. Jan, a minus 260 favorite. Glover, the plus 210 dog. That's exactly where these odds should be. I'm not disputing that. I'm actually, and we won't get too in-depth here. We'll do that the week of the fight as we normally do. But just surface-level discussion here. I'm actually going with Glover on this. And I want to bring up a a tweet that was making the rounds last week. And I want to say it was from Slossom MMA to give him credit if I'm getting that name right. And it was so funny. It was literally a breakdown of Gain versus um, Derek Lewis. And it literally said between the two, you know, Gain, 
uh, or I'm sorry, fight IQ, gain, uh, striking prowess, gain, grappling, gain. That being said, Derek Lewis, third round KO. And it was, a, but it's an awesome way to break down a Derek Lewis fight. I feel much the same way about Glover Teixeira. Striking, I pick Jan Blankovitz. Speed, I pick Jan Blankovitz. The ability to control the fight. I know Glover is the better grappler, but the ability to control where the fight is, I give to Jan. That all being said, I'm picking Glover Teixeira by submission in the third round. And that's a, that's a pick totally with my heart. It's a fighter who I just have always really liked, especially his submission prowess. So that's my third most exciting fight uh, coming up this October for free, not on pay-per-view because it's at a weird time coming from Abu Dhabi. What's your third pick, Gumby? Ooh, so for my third pick, I think I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler on November 6th. Uh, it's the co-main event of Kamara Usman <coughs> versus Colby Covington. Look, that- uh, I'm actually just going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. That was my second pick. So you give your breakdown, then I'll give mine. Yeah, I mean, it's violence. That's what it is. Like, when Michael Chandler came over, it was like, who would you like to see Michael Chandler fight the most? And the answer was Justin Gaethje, a resounding Justin Gaethje. One of them comes from Bellator being like the Bellator guy, oh, if he only came to the UFC. One of them being the World Series of Fighting guy, like, oh, if he only came to the UFC. Well, guess what they fucking did? And now we get to see it, and it's going to really happen. It's like a – it's both a a fight that I think every fan enjoys right now because they know these two as violence monsters – but it's also one is me as being, like, the guy who loves, like, regional level MMA or, like, not the top organizations like I sometimes do. You know, like, I like watching, you know, PFL now and I occasionally check out Bellator cards. It's somebody like me appreciates this fight more because I've been banging the drum for both of these two for so long. So those odds are coming in kind of surprisingly. Negative 175 for Gaethje uh, and negative – or plus 140 for Chandler. I actually thought Chandler would be a favorite. People are liking Gaethje here. I actually think I'm siding with Chandler with the wrestling in this one, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but it should be I, – I hope wrestling never comes into play because this one on the feet would be yeah. insane. So you took the words right out of my mouth. It's exactly why I had it as my number two pick, um, and I think it's going to be a violence fest. I don't see wrestling coming into play. I think this will be – uh, contested largely on the feed. But the other aspect that really interests me about this, and you said it so perfectly because they were both, you know, non-UFC guys who are finally here in the UFC. What would they be like in the UFC? And I think we've been very impressed with Justin Gaethje up until he ran into Khabib. No shame in that. And in the two fights that we've seen out of uh, Michael Chandler, you know, he lost to Charlie Olives, kind of another situation of a no shame in that, but looks so impressive against Dan Hooker with the big TKO in his debut. That all being said, what makes it so interesting to me is here are these two guys trying to cement their legacy in the UFC and, you know, Chandler coming off a loss to Charles, Charlie Olives, Gaethje coming off a loss to Khabib. I mean, this is sort of in a way must win for both of them. You know, I think Gaethje has uh, tried to shed the reputation in a lot of ways that he's just a crazy violence, throw caution to the wind at the expense of winning a fight fighter. And I don't think he wants to age out his UFC career, just getting in fun fights. Like I would hope he still has title aspirations. And I think he has the tools to be a champion, especially in an era where I don't necessarily find Charlie Olives to be this guy who's going to like hold down the belt for, you know, four years. He's not another Khabib, so to speak. So that all being said, I like both these guys as future title challengers. And this fight, uh, could determine, you know, who, who's bouncing back into that title picture first, right? Ab- absolutely. And, and did, did, am I mistaken? Did Gaethje win an interim title? 
Do we count that? We don't count that, right? Did he? No. Yeah, did, Wait, who did he beat for an interim title? I, I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't he put the belt down afterwards? It, it, I seem like such a casual oh, saying this, but interim titles are, right. are so freaking it, it, stupid. Yeah, COVID Tony Ferguson. COVID Tony Ferguson. COVID <laughs> yes. Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. You're right, you're right, Thank you're you. Right. So it, it did, the... did kind of happen, but, like, again, like it, it, he's a champ as much as Surreal Gain is right now. He's not. Uh, and so. he, he also he's one of the few guys too that came to the UFC somewhat late in his career. By the time he debuted in the UFC, you know he was already seventeen and zero, um, fully established as like a World Series of Fighting fighter. He had quickly and started his UFC career one and two, but in the two losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, they were so violent filled, and he had chances to win in both of them. He quickly became like a UFC fan favorite, yeah. uh, you know and. And I think that's really impressive and awesome because he's an awesome fighter. Um, all right, let's get it down. Let's get down. Yeah, that was my number two. It was your number three. Um, so we're on so, my number two now. My number two. Yeah. So what was your number two? So my number two is uh, an upcoming main event this month. Actually, I'm talking about Edson Barboza versus Giga Chikadze. Because uh, let me uh, tell you something. My number one. Asshole. Yes. And now I can't wait to see what your number one is. But go. Yeah. So this one is so exciting for me because like. You have the striking of Edson Barboza we've always known as good. And we have, like, Giga Chikadze who feels kind of like, and I don't mean to make light of this, but, like, like Edson Barboza, the younger version of it. And, and he's probably not even that much younger because he had a long kickboxing career, too. But they're both negative 110. This should be both technical and violent at the same time because Giga's got the Giga kick where he can put you out at any time. You know, Barboza had that spinning head kick that I think it gets shown on every highlight reel ever. Like, dude, this fight is so much fun. Tell me why it's your number one, though. Yeah, it's all the things you said. It's going to be a very technical affair. Uh, Giga Kachadze is, to me, like the most exciting prospect in a division at featherweight that's loaded with them, coming off two performances of the night undefeated uh so far in the ufc and it's that fucking background of his that's just so impressive to me um you know fights that remain standing he's going to be in the entire time due to his kickboxing prowess and to go against edson barbosa who we've always who we have always known as a great mma picker um it's just so much fun and it's a great it's great matchmaking because it's stylistically a fun fight and it's also a really nice feather in the cap for Giga if he is to win this, which I am picking him to win. But, you know, this is a close fight and I could see it going either way. So that that's why it was my number one. And I feel like we probably should have just done a combined top five because we match up on so much of this. So let's just get to it then. What is your number one? I'm, so this is going to sound kind of like a maybe a weird number one for a lot of people, but it's both because I think it's going to be a fun fight and there's a lot of gravitas behind it. And I'm talking about UFC's 266's main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Um, and the reason I love it is, first of all, I've always been a big Volkanovsky fan. He's like one of my guys uh, that I, I, I always catch his fights. I would never miss one of them in like... I actually find his style really exciting to watch, despite the fact that some people find it boring. And then you get him a contender in Brian Ortega, who, you know, on one hand, you could just be like, we got wiped by Max Holloway. How could you be excited about this fight? But did you see him last fight against Korean Zombie? He made Korean Zombie look like he's never striked before, like ever. You know, like he went in there and just poured it on Korean Zombie in a violent way. He looks like a completely different fighter in there. So, you know, between that and the fact that this fight was already booked, about to happen, you know, Volkanovski are COVID. Now we had to wait longer for it. 
The odds are actually really close. Have you seen the odds on this? Negative 175 for Volkanovski, only plus 150 for Ortega. I think if this fight happens, like, prior to what Ortega did to uh, Korean Zombie, we're talking, like, negative 300, negative 350 here. I feel like Ortega is getting a lot of steam based on that last win and, and now the time people have had to think about the fight. So, yeah, I, I think this is one of the most exciting fights for the rest of the year. Um, so I, I stole a lot of your thunder there. You, do you have one or two honorable mentions you want to throw in there? <laughs> well, th- thanks for queuing me up for that. Yeah, I did want to talk about some of these. And, of course, I considered Ortega and Volkanovski as well. I don't know what to make of that fight, per se, because every time I go into a Volkanovski fight, I think, like— You think he's going to get beat? The, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like, oh, well, you know, he's so he's kind of short, and he doesn't have the reach against Max Holloway, and Ortega's going to have the reach, and— who the fuck knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think Ortega is going to pull off some crazy sub off his back off Balkanovsky. I think it's going to be much like the Max Holloway fights. We're going to be getting into the fourth and fifth round on points. Um, so in that regard, you know, I guess maybe I favor Balkanovsky. But that being said, you asked about other fights, and that one did cross my mind. I got to tell you, you know, so much controversy with the Aljamain Sterling Piotr Jan rematch. Sterling, a plus 270. Everyone's betting on Piotr Jan minus 335. That being said, I'm excited to see what adjustments Sterling makes. He is not a dumb fighter. He does not come from a dumb fight camp. I fully expect him to come out with something new, some way to kind of check the, you know, leg trips and everything else that Jan was pulling off in the first one. Um, it's another fight that, you know, is not close, but I'm really looking forward to Islam Makiachev at minus 420 against Rafael Dos Anjos. He could get about mine, uh, plus 330 right now. And even though that's going to be a murder and I'm picking Makiachev, eh, there is something to be said for Dos Anjos standing in the pocket against Makiachev. And, you know, if he doesn't get bullied, like in another Khabib Dos Anjos way, um, you know, maybe, maybe you see something there. And then obviously, uh, Covington Usman. The rematch, again, these are odds where everyone's favoring Usman in the rematch. Minus 270, plus 220 for Covington. Covington, seemingly kind of the same fighter when they first fought. I think Usman has actually evolved, believe it or not, since they last fought only two years ago, which is scary to think about and why I think Usman is the safer bet. But that being said, you know, Usman might have a head cold going into that fight. And Colby Covington is no easy day in the park for anyone. Uh, the way he pours it on just with output, you know, he's going to be in every fucking fight he's in. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention as far as future fights um, was just, you know, it's not it's the senior circuit, but I guess it's kind of <laughs> cool from a historical perspective. Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I actually thought when I said I knew which one you were going to pick at three, I actually thought you were going to pick Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. I I thought you were going to put that at three, for real. And I know that that's silly, and I probably should have seen the Glover Teixeira pick coming because I know you love Glover. I thought you were going to go Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler there because I just thought you being the – I mean, that's your era, right? Like, that's your era, MMA, Um, to the the first go-down round of those. Um, But for all your honorable mentions, I agree with all of them. The only one I'm going to add there is – Friend of the show, Brandon Royval versus Alexandre Pantoja should be yeah. uh, all kinds of craziness in both grappling and striking. I have no idea where this fight is going to take place, but it's going to be wild. And the winner legitimately is probably knocking out a title shot. So, again, high leverage fight for that one, too. So, um, And, of course, you mentioned other ones that I love, too. I love Makachev uh, versus Dos Anjos, too. You might even be able to mention, this is stupid as hell, but... Kamzat Shemaev is supposed to actually fight on October 30th. Um, yeah. Whether whether you've completely fallen off that hype train or not, Li Jingliang is not a bad opponent. So uh, I'm cool with that one too. 
Yeah, a lot of fun fights, uh, but we have a really fun show. Uh, this has been a wild ride itself, Gumby, and I'm very excited to get to our next interview, so I'll let you kick that off. Let's go. Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Vince Pichel, who is fighting Austin Hubbard at UFC Vegas 34. He talks about his move to Factory X Muay Thai and working with Coach Mark Montoya. So we're going to get to that interview for you in just a moment. But first, I have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can tag your training sessions, training partners, log your competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more, all right in the palm of your hand. Get rid of that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and download Maroon Social. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Vince Michelle. All right, and joining me today is Vince Michelle, who fights Austin Hubbard at UFC Vegas 34 on August 21st. So, Vince, I want to start here. You know, going back through your record, you're six and one in your last seven, and here you are. You know, you're fighting Austin Hubbard, who's a decent name. But do you feel like people are are sleeping on that winning streak a little bit? Uh, no. I think they're just welcoming the the um. I think they're welcoming the the fact that they don't have to fight me because I'm fighting someone else. <laughs> I think it's more along lines of that than anything. Yeah, so so I mean, obviously, like you said, you're you're a tough out for a lot of people, right? Because your style, I, I mean, your wrestling looked phenomenal. You 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 stopped all the grappling of Jim Miller last time out. Do you do do you feel like it's time for a a bigger step up in competition though, or is it just kind of one of those things at lightweight where you do have to put up you know huge numbers before you start seeing those guys? Mm, honestly, I'm not the kind of guy that really worries myself about that. Um... I'm not the kind of guy who, well, let's, I wouldn't say I'm not the kind of guy that's fighting with, with no intentions, but I have no problem beating the shit out of who I have to beat the shit out of in the meantime. That makes sense. <laughs> no, no, that makes a ton of sense. And, and, you know, I was, I was going to ask you too, because, you know, like you said, you, you, not that you don't have any intentions in there, but you are, you're going to be 39 in a couple of months, right? And, yeah, and November. I feel like, yeah, in, in November. So, you know, you're going to turn 39 what are, what are your goals right now with the sport right now? Because 39, you know, if you were a heavyweight, people would be saying, you know, you're at the younger end of your career, but you're still here winning at 39 at lightweight. What have your goals changed like from the beginning or are they the same? Um, my goals have, they, I don't want to say they've changed, but they've been altered slightly. Um, I, before I was kind of just fighting, like, I mean, I typically just fight because I'm like, fuck it, I want to fight, right? Like, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not the one who's like out for titles or or all these accolades or anything, right? I'm the kind of guy who, when I fight, my my personal uh, satisfaction is knowing that motherfucker regretted taking that fight after I whooped his ass. <laughs> so like, that's my that's my championship belt to me, right? Um, however, I wasn't really thinking too much about about making any kind of title run, but. Moving up here where I'm at now in Colorado and, and the um and the in the uh, how can I say it's the environment I'm in now and, and the culture that I'm around with Mark Montoya and the rest of the guys at Factory X, I mean uh, a title shot's really not not out of my it's not out of my reach honestly. Well, and I was going to ask you that too. You know, you you made a change to Factory X, kind of what a lot of people would consider late in your career. What 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 prompted you moving to Factory X? Uh, just a number of things. Um. I'm from California. Like, I'm born and raised in California. I love California, but California is like California now. It's, it's just not the same as it used to be for me. The energy there is, is kind of, it's just depressing, honestly. Um, 
you got a bunch of idiots out there now who are trying to tell everyone how to think, think, walk, uh, walk, talk, act, and think. So I'm not that way. And so I, I kind of wanted to separate separate myself from that from a while, if if I've been honest. And but then uh, another thing that really pushed me was COVID. So um, training in my gym, um, uh, COVID kind of ran through the gym, and I got sick. A bunch of people got sick, me included. And um, I was out for, I think after I fought Miller, I got sick in November. So my whole birthday month, I was sick. I couldn't do anything for my birthday even. Um, but then when I went back to the gym, no one had returned and everyone was kind of like afraid of, of, you know what I mean? Afraid of getting again around. I don't know what they're afraid of, but I'm just not that way. I, like, I mean, to, to say it plainly, I drink hose water still, so. Like, I don't really give a shit about COVID or any of the diseases. If I die, I die, right? I'm not the kind of person who's going to live in fear um, from anything. Like, I'll risk my life if it, if it keeps me happy. So I'm just that kind of guy. But I went out to the gym, and I wasn't really having any training partners, and I felt like I was kind of kind of at a stalemate and in a plateau with my training and training partners there. So I just felt like I needed a change, and my choices were Vegas or here. And so back at home, I was kind of training myself ever since I've been out of tough. I've been just kind of roguing around from gym to gym because I started at Big John McCarthy's and his gym closed down shortly after I, I got off the Ultimate Fighter. And so uh, I've been kind of just roguing from gym to gym and, and just kind of being a renegade and training where I came with friends and whatnot, which I have a lot of friends in fighting that I'm thankful for that have actually helped me through the years, right? Namely, uh, the guys over at City of Thong, the guys over at Street Sports, uh, Peterson Grapplers, and then also the, the Jason Manley and all the boys over at Muscle Farm. So, like, I've had I've had friends and I've had uh, help along the way, but I, I wanted more from it. And so uh, I just decided that I, that I wanted to go somewhere where I had a coach that was kind of on my ass, made me personally responsible for my own actions, and kind of got on my ass a little bit, right? Like, treated me like I was the fighter, not the coach. So... Um, I kind of wanted that change, and, and my choices were Vegas or there, and I was leaning towards Vegas because I would have saved a lot of money in the PI, and you know what I mean, I would have got fed for free every day, which would have been super amazing, but I would have been kind of on the same boat as I was in California training myself, and I didn't want that, and so I decided to come out the, to out here to Factory X, and I tried it out, and I liked it, and it's it's a little more expensive than, uh, well, it's cheaper than California, but a little more expensive than uh, Nevada. And so I just said, screw it, man. I kind of, I kind of went broke moving out here, and and uh, this fight, I really need to, I really needed this fight. So I was kind of really making sure I didn't, I didn't have any issues where I had to pull out of the fight or anything because I'd have been kind of screwed money wise. But um, yeah, man, just this this reinvigoration of me moving to Factory X and and being a part of uh, Mark uh, Mark Montoya's uh, culture, as he likes to call it, has really kind of kind of lit a fire under my ass, and and uh, I've been feeling good, man. And in the gym, you. The, the team over at Factory X is like 30, 40 dudes. And the team, the average age of the team, I think, is like 23 to 25. But uh, when I'm in there, you can't – you don't know that I'm the 38-year-old in the gym. I'm, I'm legit the oldest guy on the fight team. But you wouldn't know that by uh, by watching us train. So I don't plan on slowing down now and or anytime soon until my body tells me to. But I, I just feel good. And, and I think that's what a big part of what kind of – kind of lit this fire beneath me and makes me think now, like, you know what? Maybe I'll go for the title. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do what I got to do and get some title shots going. So uh, I think that's what I'm going to go for now. Well, well, I love that mentality. Now, I, I did want to ask you one more question about Factory X because you mentioned, you know, obviously having the head coach is a big piece of it and, and having somebody on your ass was a big piece of it. Yeah. But you, you also mentioned the training partners. You got like 30 or 40 guys in there. It, it, 
how has that felt like you changed your game? You know, you said you, you're minimal training partners ever, you know, sometimes no training partners. You know, now we're looking at you have 30 or 40 young guys. What do you feel like is different about your game because of that? Um, I think it's just the intensity, uh, the overall training, my skill. My skill-wise has jumped up. I've been really working a lot on my wrestling to try to get my wrestling going. But uh, over at Factor X, there's a lot of there's a lot of UFC guys and in, in, in like guys that are really good and high level guys that I could train with that I didn't really I don't want to say I didn't have that in California, but there's more of an abundance here at Factory X than I had back home, right? Like there's guys here like uh, you got uh, Alex Hernandez, you got Lu- Luigi Vendramani, um, uh, you got um, Nicholas Mota who's a new guy that's fighting, um, Colin England who just fought uh, who just fought actually uh, Malsek and lost, which is kind of funny because I used to train with Malsek over at uh, Muscle Farm who's also a friend of mine, right? Um, you got guys like Dustin Jacoby here. So there's a lot of, like, good guys here that I could train with that, that have really escalated my game. And then also uh, Joe Warren, the wrestling coach. I mean, anyone who knows Joe Warren knows Joe Warren is just an absolute savage and an animal. And he could be a little wild at times. But as far as wrestling goes, I mean, he's just a beast. And, and I've been learning a lot from him picking his brain and, and getting better at wrestling, along with other guys that who are really good wrestlers that people don't really know about, like, for instance, I can give an example would be Jacoby Jones. Like Jacoby Jones is a is a really badass wrestler. He's a good freestyle and Greco wrestler who used to train with the Olympic team and whatnot, look at the sports centers and stuff with those wrestlers. So like there's really good high level guys here um, that have escalated my game. And not only is there like a high level of, of talent in the gym, but there's also this camaraderie between the, the forty guys that I have not seen anywhere else. I've been in other big gyms, right? Like I've been to Big John's, I've been to Alliance, I've been to Kings, and you know I've been to Extreme Couture's, I've been to Syndicate, and all these big gyms have their big guys, right? They have their big fighter guys, but no one there is really like, there's not that camaraderie that there is over at Factory X, right? And that culture, so, and and that that mindset and that that feeling of knowing that, like it's me and they're fighting, but I have this team that helped me and backed me up, right? Like. It's almost like having an army like in your back pocket. It's kind of it's it's a really good uh, it's really good mentally for for anybody. And I think that was just a big part of it, right? It's just that. And plus, the guys are all younger too, so it keeps me young. Not that I'm not that I'm like an old an old uh, an old bat in, in any aspect of my life, right? Like you can't tell that it's for me and the younger guys when we're together. So it's just I, I fit really I fit in really well, and, and I absolutely love it. And then you got good coaches too, right? Like you got Scotty, who's a who's a badass jits coach who I'm actually using in my corner now, and Mark, who's going to be in my corner. Uh, we got Coach G, who's who's actually a police officer, but also a badass mitt holder and a good uh, technical striker kind of guy. You got Randy Caruso, who's a good game planner. You know, you got Jordan Titani, who's a good wrestler, good grappler. So I'm just surrounded by guys who are, who are giving me different looks and, and really excelling my own game in fighting. Yeah. That, that's awesome to hear. Now, you did mention in there a couple of times that you felt like there were a lot of guys who helped push your wrestling, especially Coach Warren, um, who, who's obviously a, a decorated wrestler in his own right. Yeah, and Alex Hernandez, too, is a big part of that. He's been helping me a lot, too. He's like one of my good friends and training partners now, too. So he's a big part of it as well. Well, well that's great to hear. Now, I, I'm curious, being that you did mention wrestling all of those times. Is, is that sort of the path you see here against Austin Hubbard? You you feel like you have, first of all, obviously a wrestling advantage, but you feel like that's the path that you're taking here to a victory. Oh, no, I'm knocking his fucking head off. But if he wants to wrestle, I mean, <laughs> come at me, bro. 
I've been, I've been like, I mean, everyone knows my weak link is wrestling, right? Like if, if you were to put my skills in a triangle where it's wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and striking, my weakest link would have to be wrestling, right? And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. That's, it's a big part of my weakness. And the two guys I've lost to were wrestlers, right? To uh, Rustin Tabloff and uh, Gregor Gillespie. So I've been really wanting to work on that. And I felt like back home, I had good wrestlers, but no one who really like took the time to, how can I say this? Like to do the mind work, right? To do the brain work behind wrestling. Like I'm a, I'm a very, uh, I'm a, I'm a very unconscious, competent person. And so I'm really good at doing things, but if I need something explained to me sometimes, I didn't, re- I didn't feel like I had that back home where I had like different outlooks and, and especially different points of view with these higher level wrestlers as I do here. So I feel like that's a big part of it too. And really up in my game and my wrestling. Well, that's great to hear. Well, I, I usually end these things by asking for a prediction, but you kind of already tipped your hand. So you, you said you're going to knock this guy's head off. You got a prediction on how you're going to get that done? No. And to be honest, I don't really like to predict like how I'm going to not beat someone up because I feel like he's just going to bite me in the ass one day. Right. I don't want to be Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah. cause look at his life now. So, uh, I don't know, man. Like I'm looking for the win, but uh, uh, and it's as far as how it happens, I don't, I don't care, man. If he's, if I get a submission, I'm gonna get a submission. If I get a knockout, I'm gonna get a knockout. If he wants to just get wrestle fucked the whole time, I'm down to do that too. You know what I mean? So uh, to me, it's just all about the win, and 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 mainly, it's not so much as like getting the win or getting the knockout, but I'd, I'd much rather make him just suffer the whole time if I can. But I, I'm definitely not planning on fighting 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to fight for 15 minutes this time. I'm getting this up. All right. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Vince Pichelle who fights Austin Hubbard at UFC Vegas 34 on August 21st. Thank you so much for the time, Vince. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in yet again. We wouldn't have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and of course, MyBookie.ag. Be sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE for up to $100 of free bonus money. That's right, right in the palm of your hand for free. And we also want to remind you guys one last time, check us out on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, and on Instagram, same thing, at TopTurtleMMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.